Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, February 23rd, 2024. I am joined by my co-host, as per usual, Luke, right beside me while spring training begins. The Dodgers up 10-1 to in the top of the six right now over the Padres, but spring training doesn't matter. Uh, nonetheless, it's going on right now. We've got four more games on Friday. We've got 16 games on Saturday, which math doesn't add up. Well, it's because the Rockies and Cardinals are so excited for baseball that they're playing two games at the same time. That would be, they're what? sitting, they have so many players on the roster for spring training. They want everybody to get a chance. They're they're putting two squads out, uh, you know, one at one place, wow. one at the other. Uh, it happens a, a couple of times for every team throughout the uh, spring training. But now that we've let the dust settle on this past NFL season, we're going to begin our season grades for each team and we're going to start with the AFC West. Uh, we decided not to do the player rankings just because it takes forever. They're long lists. It takes a ton of preparation to do those lists. We think, you know, going through the season grades, we can highlight players, and we can certainly talk down on some players that didn't look too good. Same goes for the teams. Um, so we'll get a lot of more, you know, fun talking points out of these season grades rather than just player rankings. Uh, and, of course, the Premier League continues. It is tight at the top. Between Arsenal, Man City, and Liverpool, they're fighting to the finish. And we had another extremely exciting week in the Champions League. The uh, second week of uh, leg ones was outstanding. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to that. Luke, how are we feeling? Feeling great, man. Uh, Grayson is 21 now. I'm sure y'all talked about it on the other episode. A little but bit, yeah. Hey. Uh, yeah, cheers, Grayson. Cheers. Cheers. Sipping a Tom Collins. If anybody out there is a, a, a gin drinker. Modelo in my, my Dick Slash Resort. Shout out Panama City. <laughs> or not shout out Panama City. It's yeah, no, point. Panama City is uh, questionable. Yeah, if you're talking to a girl and she tells you your her favorite beach is Panama City, Stop. that is a Rojo <laughs> Bandera, baby. Yeah. Do yeah. not. Turn around. Turn around and walk away. Block her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is a bad sign. Panama City is not really the place. Sign. That's not like, if I'm talking, like, I don't like the beach. We've already gone over this on this before. But um, if you like Panama City Beach, like, if that's your number one, like, I don't like beaches, and I know that Panama City Beach sucks compared to others. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fun for, you know, like, kids our age, but it's just crowded. And, like, I'm sure the natives that live in Panama City just, the natives they are just love possibly worse. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah possibly worse but i mean like from from a view of a native literally all these people from georgia come fuck up your town and leave yeah yeah <laughs> i mean that's really it that's but a good um point. yeah more of a more of a jacksonville guy myself. really okay i'm, I'm more a of a saint calm. pete guy never been saint pete's a good one uh if oh, i'm saint going pete's to the beach. Uh, tampa side yeah right saint petersburg yeah, yeah right okay. outside of tampa it's like you 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 see the rays stadium on the way to St. Pete Beach. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, besides the point, it's February. I don't know why we're talking about beaches. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the standard stuff today. We're going to start off with the NFL, so our AFC West season grades. Then we're actually going to react to MLB Network's top 20 players. They did a full top 100, and we can talk about some of the guys, but obviously we're not going through 100 players and just being like, I don't know, maybe he should be number 92. 
<laughs> We're not going to do that. Yeah. I don't want to pain you guys with it, and I don't want to pain myself with that because I would. Um, of course, we're going to go through the Premier League weekend, the UCL round of 16, this week's matches, next week's leg two matches, and all sorts of stuff. And then uh, questions time to round it out from Nathan, um, setting us up once again. Luke, are you ready to get into the AFC West season grades? Yes, let's do it. And I also would like to preface the MLB section by saying I have not seen the top 20, so it'll be That's a live perfect. reaction from me. So... Yeah, All once right. we get into that. But let's let's kick it off. AFC West, baby. Yeah, and you said before we get into it that you wanted to uh talk about some some stats that you saw. Oh yeah. Please enlighten Thanks for reminding us. me. So just to kick off the uh the NFL portion of this part of the podcast, I wanted to read off some ridiculous stats that Bleacher Report posted on their Instagram and I found very interesting. So ridiculous NFL stats you won't believe. Are you ready to react to some of these, Grayson? I sure am. Eli Manning and Peyton Manning have the same playoff passer rating, 87.4. That's interesting. Very weird. Yeah, the two brothers. Very you know what weird. My favorite fun fact um, is Cecil Fielder and Prince Fielder have the same amount of home runs. I didn't know that. Yeah. Man, that Prince Fielder, that was such a sad oh, end to his career. I, Love that I hate guy. thinking about that. Love that guy, too. Um, most receiving yards after turning 40. Jerry Rice has over 2,000. Tom Brady has six. <laughs> yep. Okay. That one's I fun. I like that one. Yep. The Browns, uh, the Browns 0-0-1 start, the year that they tied with the Steelers in week one, was yep. their best start in 14 years. Wow. In, in 2018. Wow. Um, Jim Harbaugh has more career rushing yards than Bo Jackson. Yeah, by only five yards. That's, that's <laughs> really crazy. close. Um, Tom Brady never scored in the first quarter of his first seven Super Bowls. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I think that one's a pretty well-known one. This one is crazy. Joe Flacco's first five career playoff games, one touchdown, six interceptions, a 47.5 completion rate, but he's three and two. Not bad. Didn't have none. <laughs> Mr. It, Mr. Yeah, Flacco. Um, the Panthers have never had a back-to-back winning season, but they've won the NFC South three years in a row. That's the NFC South right there. That's how we do it down here, man. Oh, man. That's how it is. Um, the Oilers slash Titans have as many AFC East titles as the Jets do at four. (laughs) That was my last one. So just to kick it off with the NFL section, I thought I'd make it some... Us some fun stuff. So, and AFC West, baby. Yeah. A Super Bowl winner in here. That's true. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, I think they got the highest grade for both of us, uh, considering the rest of the field here. Uh, Definitely. <laughs> a lot of, lot of low scores. Uh, maybe a couple guys going to have to retake the class uh, because we're going <laughs> yeah. to academic grading scale. Sure. Letter grades, plus and minuses, if you will. Uh, if you'd like, it doesn't matter. Um, Kind of just talking about what they did well, what they did poorly, uh, some players that did well, some players that did poorly, and then uh, we're going to assign them a grade after we kind of give our pieces about the teams. We're going from the bottom to the top in the standings in the division, and we start with the Los Angeles Chargers. What's unfortunate is that if my predictions came true at the beginning of the season, they'd be the last team we talked about. 
<laughs> yeah, I pulled up my predictions uh, from last year. I predicted them to be first in the division. So that's not good. <laughs> I remember that. Um, but bold. I like it. It was bold, but... and it still is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, I, I would just like to go ahead and kick it off. Uh, they made an F minus, which obviously, if some of you know, that's not possible. There's no F plus, yeah. F minus, but they were. I, I am over the Chargers, Grayson. I'm over them. I, I can't take it anymore. They are such an exciting team every season. And they always disappoint. But this season was awful. Yeah. Um, I, I want to start by saying it, it, it all started when you took Quentin Johnston over Addie, Zay, Mingo, Jaden Reed, yep. Rashi Rice, Tank Dell. Um, and I, I mean, I had high hopes for that guy, but that, that's kind of the first point I wanted to talk about is they, they took a wide receiver over a lot of guys that ended up having really, really good seasons. Even, and I know I put Mingo on here. I think Mingo would have been better on the Chargers than Quentin Johnston. Probably. Mingo had some yeah. games. Um, did, did you, how did you want to do this? Did you want me to keep going with my points? We'll just or... kind of bounce off each other. I, I want to bring okay. up some yeah. stats um, and like kind of their rankings. They were abysmal. On defense, especially this season. 31st in passing yards allowed this season in total. They allowed the second most passing plays of 40-plus yards with 14. They were tied. um, So that was just kind of the passing defense that was brutal. The rush defense was very much middle of the pack. Um, they, They were okay. They weren't great. Uh, You know, a couple of guys on the defense played well. But overall, the defense was really, really bad. The secondary was really bad. J.C. Jackson started the season there, was horrible, and then sent him over to the Patriots. Still wasn't very good on the Patriots either. Um, Asante Samuel Jr. wasn't horrible, but he had no help. Derwin James was left to be the the sole tackler on that defense, which you should (laughs) have other talent around him to allow him to make explosive plays rather than him being a safety cushion for you. I think the utilization of these defensive players on their team just wasn't good enough. Khalil Mack on the defensive line, oh my God, what a fucking season for him. He is certainly one of the surprise players for me because he was truly, truly amazing. I think 17 and a half sacks this year. Like, he was unstoppable. Uh, We didn't get to see much of Joey Bosa. He got hurt. A couple other guys just, like, didn't quite perform at the highest level. Overall, the defense was bad. Yes, they had a couple of guys play well, but the whole thing just didn't work. Yeah, and that that's even a point that I have. I have a my bullet point is defense fucking sucks, even though you have guys like Derwin Mack, JC Bosa, of course Bosa with an asterisk, and JC got traded as well. So but you know, just to kind of further, um Austin Eckler wasn't much better. He nope. moves like he is in a tub full of like syrup or honey or something. He just can't <laughs> get his fucking legs going. And on top of that, and I know you like this guy, but I just, I can't stand the hype around him. He has good games, but he can't lead this team to victory. And that's Justin Herbert. And I know that he got hurt. I think in week 13 is when his season was over. Yeah, somewhere around he there. was five and eight in games that he started. And granted, yes, the defense was bad, but with the credit that people give Herbert, you would think that they would at least be able to stay like a middle of the pack. He's 30 and 32 overall in his career. Yeah. And I, he's not a quarterback that I think they should move away from. It's nothing like that. I just think a lot of people should pump the brakes on the hype that he gets. Um, and that was really all that I had for the Chargers. They were just so 
Yeah. They were fucked all season long. Yeah, they, they were. And I, I will say, if you isolate how Justin Herbert played from the rest of the team, it looks really good. They were ninth in the NFL in total passing yards this season. They were tied second for the least interceptions with eight. Like, they were keeping the ball. They were moving the ball well in the passing game. The problem was Mike Williams goes down relatively early in the season with the ACL injury. Quentin Johnston could not catch the ball. And this guy who was supposed to be kind of a safety cushion for you with the run game, Austin Eckler, was abysmal. This team was 27th in yards per carry with 3.8 yards per carry. They were 23rd uh, in total yards and 23rd in yards per reception. So they're not getting much yards after the catch. They're not getting much in the running game at all. It's hard to say that it was Herbert's fault. I would more blame this on the offensive play going by Kellen Moore and just the coaching itself by Brandon Staley, which both of them aren't there next this coming year. So it makes sense why those changes were made. I think, obviously, obviously, this team could have been better. They were in the playoffs last year, and they were a 10-win team at least. I think they might have won more. They were a great team last year. They come into this year. Staley's been on the hot seat for as long as he's had the job. It's not working. They know he's out the door. It took him way too long. It took a thirty or 63 points by the Raiders to get him fired. But overall, this team just simply wasn't good enough. Obviously, your your best players, I'd say Khalil Mack on the defensive side and Keenan Allen on the offensive side. Keenan Allen was outstanding this season. Um, you know, he didn't even play all like 17 games. I think he played 13 games and he had 1200 receiving yards. That's, that's amazing. Um, and then the disappointing guys, Austin Eckler and Quentin Johnston. Um, so my grade, I'm just giving him an F because I I didn't want to do F (laughs) minuses. There is some teams though. They're going to get an F minus. I'm not giving the chargers an F minus because there was good things. Maybe a team, possibly in the state of Massachusetts, might get an F minus, um, <laughs> but that's a little bit down the road. So yeah, um, you give him an F minus, I give him an F. Let's move on to the Broncos. They're a weird one to grade. I, oh, sorry. Can I start with the Broncos? Do you? Yes. Mind? No, please do. Because I have a lot of quick points that I'm going to hit with Denver. I'm just going to run through kind of my whole list. It won't take long. So. What I like about Denver is you started one in five and then you won five games in a row. So going into December, you were one of the hottest teams in the NFL. And, you know, we covered them. We were we were both very excited about how they were playing. It was nice to see Russell Wilson finally have success in that offense. Um, There were, you know, points where Russell Wilson was kind of looking better than Patrick Mahomes last year as far as like stats go. Which, you know, very, very impressive play there from a guy that, you know, we all thought was a has-been after his first season in Denver. You lost 70 to 20 to the Dolphins. That that in itself is its own bullet point, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. You got swept by Vegas. Jerry Judy is washed. He fucking sucks compared to Cortland Sutton, in my opinion. And Cortland Sutton and wasn't Javante, much better, I'd say, I'll say. No, but Cortland Sutton did have 10 touchdowns. Yes. In the season, though, which was good. But um, And then another guy that I wanted to talk about, Javante Williams probably isn't your answer at running back. I, I'm not really liking the way he looks in Denver. Um, so I will now give my grade. I graded them a C. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I think for me, the middle of the season carried this Broncos team in, in my eyes. Five straight wins. Mm. 
over four playoff teams, including the eventual Super Bowl champion. Exactly. That was a big stretch for them. And they also, their fifth win was also a Vikings win, which the Vikings were a competitive team, especially at that point in the season. They also gave up 70 points, like you said. Uh, Stats-wise, 24th in total passing yards, which is just not good enough, considering we went into the season assuming Russell Wilson would be better, Cortland Sutton, and Jerry Judy would have a bigger impact. They didn't. The offensive line acquisitions did not help. Sixth in sacks. Uh, among quarter or on quarterbacks, the big playability was a positive. Third in plays of forty plus yards with thirteen, but they couldn't be consistent. They 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 were twenty fifth in twenty plus yard plays with forty four. So like yes, they did have quite a few big forty plus yard plays. A lot of them Cortland Sutton touchdowns, but you couldn't get the twenty plus yard plays that really open up the field for you. They only had eight rushing touchdowns. That was 28th in the league. And they were tied 21st in yards per carry. Um, The secondary surprisingly struggled, despite how good of players they had. Um, They were uh, 25th in uh, yards per attempt allowed. Um, They also allowed the third most rushing yards and the highest yards per carry in the NFL with five yards per carry. So, like... Damn. Yeah, they had stretches where they were great. They yep. also gave up 70 points. They also absolutely shit the bed. And then, just to add insult to injury, like got rid of Russell Wilson two weeks before the season was over. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. was just like, I, I can't blame Russ because he did kind of, he played better than last year for sure. Yeah, And, and I can't blame Sean Payton because... He didn't do a bad job with this Broncos team. So, like, I don't know who it is to blame, but overall this team just simply wasn't good enough, and I don't know if that's a matter of they need to go out and make more moves. They need to maybe make some coordinator changes. Obviously, they're going to be making a QB change. Like, I don't know what the future holds for them, but something has to change because this team simply wasn't good enough. I would argue it's their lines, D-line and O-line. Are just not very strong. And what's crazy is they spent some money on offensive line talent this offseason, or this past offseason, and it still didn't help. They got Mike McGlinchey. uh, They got somebody else as well, and I can't remember who it is. Um, But, like, they were big money acquisitions on the offensive line, and it still didn't help. I don't don't know what the problem was. Yeah. I will say just, like, surprise player, disappointing players. Surprise player is Marvin Mims Jr., I think he was and can be the best wide receiver out of that three. And he was a rookie this year. Um, I really liked what I saw from him. Alex Singleton on the defense was outstanding all season. Phenomenal. Him, Phenomenal Justin player. Simmons continues to be great. Pat Sertan was yep. good, not as good as last year, which was similar to what we saw from Sauce Gardner, who these two guys seem like they're going to follow the same trajectory for the rest of their careers. Um, yeah. Not quite as good from him. Uh, the disappointing players, Russell Wilson, obviously. Uh, and then I'd say Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Both of them had almost 90 targets, and both of them had just over 50 receptions this season. Yeah. That's that's a problem. Yeah, that's interesting, though. I don't know if I would really consider Russell Wilson a disappointing player, for last season at least. I, I, think, I, I think he did what I think they the needed disappointment. 
The disappointment comes from the fact that he ended up not being the quarterback by the end of the year. And, and I know it wasn't his fault. It's not like he played himself out of the job. It was more that the Broncos fucked him over. But it was disappointing to not see him play the full season. It was a very disappointing sure. start to the season. Um, you know, to start off how they did. And then, yeah, they strung some games together. He still wasn't having outstanding performances. He was only throwing 204.7 yards per game. Um, but, like, yeah, 26 touchdowns was great. Eight picks, not fantastic, not horrible at all. Um, yeah, I, I think it was underwhelming for the Russell Wilson that they're paying so much money. Well, they were, I guess. That That is very true. Yeah, if you look at his contract, he would have to do something ridiculous to be oh, worth yeah. that much. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, ready to get into Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Vegas, sorry, my maybe. grade. My grade was a C plus. Oh. Uh, just because of that oh. five that five win stretch, uh, with the big yeah. wins in there in the middle that put them into playoff contention at the time. Um, honestly, they were they were contending for that division by the end of that win streak. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is kind of yeah, crazy to think about. about. Um, but they ended up coming third in the division. Uh, yeah. So I give them a C plus. Let's talk about the Raiders though. I think they're an interesting case. Yeah, and I'll I'll go ahead and kick it off here. So they. They didn't have necessarily a good season. Obviously, same record as Denver, uh, sitting at 8-9 and nine at the end. But they had a lot to fight through. And I, I like I would like to give them credit for being 8-9. Eight, eight and nine. So, you lose Jimmy G in a week 7. He I mean, I think he ended up having more picks than he did touchdowns. So, it's not like he was playing well. Then you kind of have to deal with... Um, yeah, they, they lost him in week 7, but I think his injury happened week 5. So he was kind of playing through something. Yeah. Then you have Brian Hoyer, a, a renowned backup quarterback. He's played for a lot of different teams. He was horrendous. And the Aiden O'Connell show. Brian Aiden Hoyer O'Connell was so bad. Had, he was bad. He had <laughs> yeah. some games. But, um, you know, you had major turmoil with Josh McDaniels beginning of the season. Whole team is unhappy. They fire him, and literally the whole team rallies around Antonio Pierce. He completely changed the culture there. The players loved him, which I love seeing. Um. Josh Jacobs doesn't want to play for you guys anymore, and he had a season that reflected on it. He was not nearly as good last season as he was the season before. Um, you also saw a slight decline in Devontae Adams' production, and I know yeah. he didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo. He was having backup quarterbacks all season, but I think some of that's on him too. He is getting older, and he is playing on a bad team. Now, defensively, though, Oakland was around top half in some of your major stats. They defensively were actually really underrated, I think, yeah. in my opinion. And Oakland also beat Patrick Mahomes this year in one Las of the Vegas. games. Uh, I know that was a – yeah, sorry, <laughs> Vegas. Uh, uh, they they beat Patrick Mahomes, which I, I think was a big deal for them. Yeah. Um, that, was a, that was a big game. And that was so, all defense. Yeah, all defense. And all of that to say I graded them at a C-minus. I only had Denver at a C because, like you said, that five games in a row, you know, yeah. they were in the division. Oakland was inconsistently consistent, which is why I graded them a C minus. Yeah, I, I I like that that point. I think that's a good tag to give them for this season. They were just so like average to below average in everything. Um, yeah, Aiden O'Connell is just the epitome of an average quarterback, uh, maybe below mm-hmm. average. Like he's just a good 200 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick kind of guy. That's not a winner at all. 
That's why they're yeah, probably going to try and go out and get somebody in free agency. Um, yep. But, you know, Antonio Pierce and the momentum that he brought in in that second half of the season when, when McDaniel got fired is exactly what I wanted to see from this team. They showed some fight. Same. Yeah, Aiden O'Connell wasn't outstanding, but they won games in that second half of the season. They had to fight for 8-9. and nine. And Max Crosby yeah. had an amazing year. And I can't say enough great things about Robert Spillane. He got so overlooked this year as a fantastic player. And he had 148 total tackles, and he led the team with three interceptions at linebacker. You just don't see that all that often. The problem was that they couldn't score points. You talked about Josh Jacobs' struggles. Luckily, once again, we kind of saw a a, a familiar face, or I I guess to some, come out of nowhere. Zamir White shows up there at the end of the year with uh, outstanding performances over and over again. And and once again, I think that aids to the fact that these guys rallied around Antonio Pierce. I I think they showed fight. The problem was they scored 19.5 points per game. That's that was twenty third in the league. Um, you know, they as a team, their yardage not great at all. Twenty uh, seventh in the league in total yards per game. Um, I think yards per attempt wise in the running game, they were pretty bad as well. Yeah, twenty eighth in the league at three point seven. It was like the key factors that kind of boost a team to winning, and, and I know a lot of this is weighed down by early in the season, bad coaching, bad morale, um, but when I'm looking at their full season, they just simply weren't good enough. Um, I, I feel like I wish I could have given them a better grade. I gave them a C, just a flat C, and mainly because it seemed like they couldn't get hot. Like, the Broncos got hot for a minute. They didn't win more than two games in a row, the Raiders. Yeah. Like, that's a problem. No matter who was coaching, they didn't win over two games in a row. I I think it it was weird grading between the Raiders and the Broncos because I, I would say it's tough. Overall, I think the Raiders had a better season than Denver from what they had to go through. But like you said, I I love that point you just made because that's exactly what I thought about. Denver was able to get hot. Vegas was not. Damn, I'm really loving the city of Oakland today. Shit. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, so C minus for me and a C from you. I like that. Yeah, pretty close. All right. And then The last team, of course, the back-to-back Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I'm not going to just meet ride them because they won a Super no. Bowl. I'm not. No. I'm not. Mm-mm. They're not just getting some automatic A-plus out here. We grade nope. fairly. Nobody yes. gets an A-plus <laughs> in this class. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling it right. I'm saying it right now. Nobody gets an A-plus in this class unfair. because nobody went undefeated. Nobody I'm going to I'm going to pull one out of one of my favorite teachers I ever had in high school. Shout out Dr. Gardner. Made me a fucking fantastic writer over time. It took some time, trust me. Um she said nobody can get a 100 because there's no such thing as a perfect piece of work. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And no team this season was perfect. The Chiefs were far from it. 
Yeah. 100%. Um, there were teams that were more perfect than the Chiefs, I would say. Oh, yeah. Closer to being perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to start here. Um, okay. They were consistently somewhere from 10 or, or like 12 to 8 in, or 7 in like every stat on the offensive side of the ball. Okay. For a Patrick Mahomes-led offense with the greatest tight end of all time, you would expect more. The drops. The drops were the problem, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> drops were the problem. Okay. They led the league in drops yeah. despite winning the Super Bowl. Um, Kadarius Tony, problem. <laughs> Overall, he is a yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was just like this whole season, they couldn't keep it together at all times. And yeah, it sounds insane because once again, they won the AFC West and they won the Super Bowl. But like, after that Broncos loss, it was really bad, like an embarrassing loss, 24 yes. to 9, especially when you started off the season what 6 and yeah, 6 and 1 up to that point. You shouldn't lose to the Broncos who were 2 weeks removed from giving up 70 points to the Dolphins. Was that the game where Mahomes was reduced to a 3-year-old child? Oh, he was bad. Okay. He was yeah, so bad. No, I meant after the game, the one where he was like just whining. Like the that well, that might have been the Eagles or the Packers loss. Okay. Gotcha. I, I can't remember. I don't think it was the Broncos one in particular. Um but like yes, they won 6 games in a row right after they lost the season opener to the Lions. But after that, it was a loss to the Broncos, a win over the Dolphins, and then a loss over the Eagles, who we realized were not a great team by the end of it. And then a win over the Raiders, who weren't a great team. Lost to the Packers, lost to the Bills. Obviously, those are two playoff teams, but still not teams that the Chiefs at that point should have been losing to. Went over the Patriots is you know certain almost uh, lost to the Raiders and then you went over the Bengals and Chargers who weren't really trying at that point in the season. Um, I, I think overall the offense was an issue and this was I, I think I a lot of people saw this coming but didn't say anything about it. Like we kind of knew that things were going to change with Eric Bieniemy leaving. It was the first year since this kind of dynasty started with Patrick Mahomes where he didn't have Eric Bieniemy as his offensive coordinator. He instead had Matt Nagy who we know Matt Nagy's body of work. It's the Chicago bears uh, as the head coach. And uh, (laughs) that was a failed experiment to say the least, but I have to give them the utmost credit for going out and just, winning games in the playoffs and eventually winning a Super Bowl, my grade came out to an A minus. That's exactly what I gave him. Yeah, I, I feel like you can't obviously you can't give him an A plus, that's for sure. And I Definitely. think the struggles I, I think if they didn't if we didn't count the postseason, I would have given them a B. Because there is high Damn. expectations for the Chiefs. Yeah. Like extremely high. Like I'm not grading the Chiefs the same way I'm going to grade the Panthers. Yeah. There's two different grading scales for these teams cuz they're just on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. 
But the Chiefs did great things. Throughout the regular season, they did great things. They weren't good enough. And it got them to the end, and they were great in the playoffs. If we were giving them a playoff grade, they probably would get an A+. But over the entire season, I can't, I couldn't have possibly given them anything higher than a B in the regular season, but they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> so that that gives yeah. them a boost. I, I, and because we're kind of counting in everything, that put me at an A-. minus. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll go ahead and start off with what I think they did good. And it, it was something that I mentioned, I think, either last podcast or the podcast before. But this is not an offensive team anymore. Uh, th- this team is defense. And it was led by guys like Chris Jones, George Karlaftis, Trent McDuffie, Willie Gay Jr., Legereus Sneed, Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil, I think it was their um, like second in tackles on the team. And then Justin Reed, their safety, who... You know, we've seen him be a kicker before for like the Houston Texans, which was awesome. But he, uh, I think, led the team in tackles at safety. They have a phenomenal pass rush. I think they were second in sacks this year behind Baltimore. Um, but, you know, what, what took them down for me is just exactly what you said. They were offensively not invincible by any means. And it really showed that Mahomes can definitely carry a team. But there are some things that Mahomes can't do, and that's throw the ball 70 yards, go run down, and catch the same ball he just threw. Yeah. They have they have no wide receivers. And I will admit, Rasheed Rice, Rashi Rice stepped up. He almost had as many receiving yards as Travis Kelsey did. They didn't actually have a receiver over 1,000 yards. And that's crazy, right? They're the Kansas City Chiefs. They have Patrick Mahomes. How would at least not one of their guys have over 1,000 receiving yards? Well, it's because he didn't even have any weapons. And we even saw games where Travis Kelsey wasn't playing that well this year. So, really short for the Chiefs. They they were perfect in the playoffs. I mean, they just were unstoppable, basically. So, I also graded them an A-. They... Really, really good season, but by no means were they invincible. But damn, do I love that defense. I got to admit. Yeah. I'll glaze over the defense all day before I do Patrick Mahomes, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely agree. So, just to recap everything, um, my grades for each team were the Chargers with an F, the Broncos with a C, the Raiders with a C, and the Chiefs with an A minus. Yes. And just to run through mine, the Chargers made an F minus. Denver had a C. Oak, oh, there I go again, bro. Vegas. Did you write down Vegas Oakland on, on your notes or something? <laughs> I never actually wrote down what city they're from. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, I just put down Raiders. Uh, C minus for the Vegas Raiders. There we go. And the Chiefs with an A minus. There right. will be teams that have a better grade than the Chiefs, by the way. Uh, yes, go through definitely. Yeah. Um, I will say I'm not giving out A pluses. I'm... I'm saying that right now. I'm setting that precedent for myself. You you could give one to Baltimore. You and that's coming it. from a Steelers fan. <laughs> it's all you. I'll, I'll nitpick. <laughs> I will find yeah. something that's wrong. Trust me. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it uh, for the NFL. Um, you know, once a little bit more time passes, maybe we'll start talking draft. I know the combine starts up in uh, – a number of weeks, maybe like two or three weeks uh, for the combine to start up. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that, you know, everything leading up to the draft. But for now, we're going to keep going on with the series next week, uh, AFC South. So that one's going to be fun because uh, that was a, yeah. a fun division to watch this season. So um, stay it. tuned for that one next week. 
And uh, for now, let's talk about the MLB's, technically we're talking about their top 100 players list uh, right now for 2024, but we're only going to go through the top 20 uh, for this season. Um, And, you know, we'll feel free to make some comments if you want to look through that list once we kind of go through the 20 and see some surprises because there is some surprising rankings for sure. Uh, Would you like to start at 20 or 1? Let's start at 20. Okay. Let's crawl up. So. Uh, I, I vividly remember this. We have a trio uh, of young players here from 20 to 18. Number 20, Bobby Witt Jr., shortstop for the Kansas City Royals. Yeah. Um, he was amazing. He had a 30-40 season this year. 20 is, is I, I think 20 is perspective. I, I think they're trying to say that in 2024, he's going to take another step, and that's going to put him top 20. If you ask me to rank them right now, just just just, just, just wait. <laughs> if you ask me to make a top 20 right now, Bobby Witt's not in there. But if we're looking ahead to 2024, he's certainly up there. I'd like 20 because of the possibility of him in the future. Well, no, I wasn't making a face at you. I just okay. I I shouldn't have scrolled down to 21 through 30. But you mean to tell me that Bobby Witt Jr. was better than Marcus Simeon, Jose That's Altuve, Kyle exactly. Tucker, Manny Machado, uh, Luis Robert, Blake exactly. Snell is 30th? Okay, so pitchers n- always have been screwed on this list. Okay. So I, so I, I, I take pitcher rankings with a grain of salt. I typically try to remove the pitchers from when I look at these rankings because it's so skewed. Like, Dude, Zach Wheeler, Corbin Burns, Blake Snell, they were all great. Do we know how they're going to be next year? No, but, you know, I I think if we're looking at last year, these guys have got to be up there. Um, And I think as well, they're kind of scared of taking guys that have been in the league for a while that had ranked low prior years, namely Blake Snell here, um, who wasn't ranked last year but won the Cy Young this season. They're almost scared to be like, well, maybe we were just like wrong last year. <laughs> it's a little bit of self-preservation, but we'll we'll touch on some of those um, once we get through the list. Number nineteen is Adley Rutschman. Once again, this is a- another kind of like investment pick. Maybe this looks really good next year. Maybe it doesn't. Last year they ranked him at forty-one, which I thought once again was pretty looking ahead, uh, and I and I think. They got that right. He had a fantastic year. But if I looked at his body of work in not even an entire season last season or the season prior, he wouldn't have been the 41st best player. He's not the 19th best player. But if I'm looking ahead into 2024, I I could see him being up there. I see him more as a mid-20s guy. Yeah. I I, I just think it's hard with a catcher. are they grading on how like are they grading on how amazing it is like his performance with how young he is like are they grading maybe. off of like- and, and and maybe that is what they're taking into consideration. I think a lot of it also has to do with future outlook, where they're at in their career, how age could affect them. Um, I think that's a big part of this. Obviously, I don't know everything they're factoring in because they don't come out and say it. Um, but I don't hate that pick. Yeah, I don't mind that one either. Okay, what about Corbin Carroll at 18? This one I think is questionable. Mm. Because he he, he plays, I, he's a great player, 
His defense isn't phenomenal, but it does the job. He moves around the outfield. He's he's an outfield utility kind of guy. Great lefty bat. Had a fantastic year. He was rookie of the year. I don't even know if he was better than Bobby Witt, though. If we're looking just at young players. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would... I kind of feel like he should be higher. Really? Yeah. I, I think if I if think it's hard because you, you can find yourself in a bad spot. It, it, like, like I don't know where Michael Harris was ranked last year. Um, I know this season he's ranked number 50. Yeah, last year he was ranked 53. I think that was yeah. a relatively high ranking for Michael Harris coming off a rookie year. That's and fair. he had quite a sophomore slump. Uh, he turned it up in the second half for sure, and the future outlook looks great. But I think you can slip up putting a guy that high after just a, a one season. Like Michael Harris, we didn't get a full season out of, but Corbin Carroll, we did get the full season out of. He wasn't ranked last year because he played like seven or like 20 games, something like that, at the end of last or the, the prior season. But I think Corbin Carroll at 18 is safer than putting him where maybe he does deserve. Because you, they're also taking into account how good you have been in the past. And that's why there's some names up here that might surprise you because maybe a guy whose name rhymes with uh, bike, mount, uh, mount, trout. Yeah, Mike Trout. Uh, I, was try- I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out anything that rhymes with trout. Um, uh, maybe he Gout. shouldn't be up here because he hasn't been healthy in like three years. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he's up here. See, that's weird. I it just it just dawned on me that they were taking into consideration like yes. it, it's not just stats from last season because Aaron Judge is Mm-mm. third. No, it's not. Okay. So wow. this is just that's weird. Like this is literally being like if I went up to you and just asked who are the best players in the MLB. Then that's you how can they do take this. Corbin. You can take Corbin Carroll, Rutschman, and Bobby Wood Jr. out of the top twenty if that's what we're. That's what about. I think too, because guys like Marcus Simeon, like you pointed out earlier, Kyle Tucker, um, Luis Robert, Robert, however you'd like to say it, are arguably better because they have a better body of work and a more full body of yeah. work behind them. Yeah, and I was I was gonna say like I'll just give a preview like Trey Turner at sixteen yeah. seemed high to me. But now that I know that it's going off of, you know, career, yeah. that, that seems fair. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I, I'm okay, so now. we're I'm on good. number 17 now. It's Spencer Strider of the Atlanta Braves, of course. Last year, he was ranked 65. He was the runner-up in uh, the uh, NL Rookie of the Year. Um, I believe he was top 10 uh, in Cy Young voting last year. He was, I think, the number four in Cy Young voting in the NL this year. He's been yeah. amazing. Fantastic player. Once again, he's young, so they're giving him that benefit because they ranked him ahead of guys like uh, Blake Snell, Zach Wheeler, and Corbin Burns, who were all in his league this past year and yeah. made significant, you know, like performances throughout the year. Blake Snell beat him out for Cy Young. Um, so I think a lot of that is putting a lot of stock in a young player. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems like it. Um I, dang, the Strider's tough because like he I, I don't know He's, if I would have put is, him that high either. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Um and and I, of course I love Spencer Strider. He is 
one of my favorite players right now in the league. He's obviously one of my favorite Braves. Um, he is an interesting case because he is just overflowing with talent. Obviously, we yes. see it. There is consistency issues. There is, you know, the fact that, like, can he have a sub three or a sub three five ERA while starting an entire season? You know, can he go out there consistently and throw seven innings and not give up three plus runs every time he gets yeah. out there? It's a question. And, and and I think that pulls him down for me. I'm fine with 17 because you're buying the stock in the youth, but there was there is and was better pitchers in the MLB last season and, and just right now there is. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, so our next player is Trey Turner at 16. I don't hate the ranking. I don't love it because he was so bad last year. Because it, it, and they're they're so inconsistent with this, because there will be a guy that was really good for quite a few years, and then they just they just ship him down the list, like JT Romuto. He hasn't been yeah. bad his entire career, and he wasn't bad last year. There was just better catchers, and he dropped from twenty nine to forty six on this list. I just don't see how that translates when Trey Turner had a down year for sure. But he finds himself moving only five spots back from last season. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it's a lot um, of inconsistency here is, is my issue with this list thus far. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. Um I don't know. I mean, is it fair to say that Trey Turner's high and the the best parts of his career are higher than Real Motos, though? Oh, yeah, like for sure. I, I would definitely say that. And, and Real Muto, you know, hasn't won a World Series, hasn't, you know, done this and that. But um, And also Trey Turner being, you know, an infield player and making big defensive plays all the time yeah. certainly helps. Um, that, that certainly aids him over other catchers or like over like catchers and stuff, but I I don't hate his ranking at 16. Um, but once again, like there's, there's better, uh, even at his position, maybe. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right. Our next guy, Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves. He comes in at 15 last year. He was number 20 in this ranking. Mm. Higher. Yeah, I think so. Jose Ramirez is absolutely phenomenal, but I would already, I would say that Austin Riley is already better than him. Yeah, and I think if another thing if, him, if you're if you're going to buy into youth like Corbin Carroll and Adley Rutschman and Bobby Witt, putting them this high up on the list, how do you not exactly. buy into the youth of Austin Riley? Because Austin Riley yeah, has only feels, been in this league for what four seasons? Exactly. Yeah, it feels like they underappreciated Austin Riley when you talk about Carroll, Rutschman, and Witt. And how they ranked here. I completely agree with that. Yeah, like, yeah. Austin Riley is 26. He'll be 27 by the time the season starts. Jose Ramirez is 31. Uh, he'll be 32 by the end of the season. I feel like you have to buy into the youth of Austin Riley with the body of work he's put out if you're going to follow the same guidelines you have throughout these other rankings. Yeah. Well, Definitely. Then let's talk about Jose Ramirez because he did take a steep drop when it comes to being a top player in this league. He went from number eight last year to 14 this year. 
He still had a great season. He got very underrated this year. But once again, maybe they're looking at age uh, being a factor, which I think is unfair for a guy in his his, his low 30s um, because we've seen plenty of guys flourish through like 36, 38 years old. Oh, yeah. And, and there's guys in this top 10 that are in that age area. So I think it's hard to say that he wasn't amazing because he was. He was genuinely fantastic. I think he was one of the best bats. He was one of the best third basemen in general in the American League. So it's hard to say that he should have dropped this far. But I also get it when his position especially, a lot of guys are catching up. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Our next one, Matt Olson. Number 13, I I think this is right where he should be. I mean, he jumped a solid 30 spots from last year. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) And I think that's also because, you know, last year, certainly a down year, his first year in Atlanta. Um, And prior to that, his, you know, his performances weren't being viewed as much because he was on the athletics. Um, So now he's getting the attention and he was playing great. So that kind of I think goes together well for this. Um, he definitely was ranked well. I like the fi- the fact that they recognize that he should jump, you know, very drastically, uh, being thirty spots. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. But if once we get into this, the next guy, um, who's at number twelve, I will explain what my opinion is for all the guys we just kind of recently for the last four spots. Okay, so yeah, number twelve, yeah, is Mike Trout center fielder for the Angels, one of the possibly one of the best best place uh, best baseball players of all time. Uh last year he was number 3 in the rankings. He drops down to number 12. I would I would have Mike Trout at 15 and move Austin Riley, Jose Ramirez and Matt Olson up. Yeah. I agree with that. And it's it's hard because yeah, I, I I really like this top 100 because of how they're ranking like past performances because it makes it's so subjective and there's so much room yeah. to move around and have opinions here. It's very interesting to me because I feel like most sports you just rank their past season, but Mike Trout, like I I feel like I never even heard about him last year, really. Yeah, well, he missed half the season. I, I know he was injured. <laughs> yeah, and I, I realized he was injured, but he it just seems like even previously like i've been hearing about him less and less you know what i think part so, of that was him being outshadowed by shohei otani definitely like like i can see that and also 2023 played 82 games 2022 he played 119 and he was 8th in mvp voting um 2021 only 36 games uh he played almost the whole covid season with 53 prior to that the guy was pretty healthy pretty consistently like 140, 150 games every year. And he was also, you know, in that stretch, he won three MVPs. uh, And he was top four every single one of those years. That makes sense. The guy from 2012 all the way through 2019 was top four. And only one of those years he was fourth. Every other year he was second or first in MVP voting. Yeah. That's a big fucking deal. And I think that, carries weight, but then you start looking and it's like, okay, 2020, fifth in MVP, 
you know, whatever. 2021, nothing, because he only played 36 games. He did make the All-Star game. But that kind of brings him down. 2022 kind of brings him down a little bit because he missed a, a decent amount of time. And he wasn't quite as good as we have seen him be, like, be in, you know, in recent years. Then this past year, once again, the injuries, and it's like, okay, now they're willing to move him down. So maybe they took a, a, um, they took it easy on him, but they still moved him down significantly considering he was top three last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our next player, though, is Bryce Harper, who actually jumped up to 11 from 17. Obviously, last year it was an injury-riddled season. They kind of threw things off. Um we did see a little bit of a decline since he's gotten to Philadelphia, but he jumps right back up. He has the full healthy year. He's officially moved over to first base. Um, I, I think it's an interesting ranking, but I think it's perfect. I think there's youthful players that get that got put ahead of him in this list that makes sense. Yeah, number 10 doesn't make sense over Bryce Harper to me. I think it does. I, I think when you factor in the, the, the point that they are looking at youth and upside, the guy ahead of him does kind of make sense because Bryce Harper, injuries, position change, like you can tell he's on the decline, whereas this guy is certainly climbing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I Definitely, but if you value youth upside, then you're not valuing what a player has accomplished in their career, like True. Bryce Harper has. True. I mean, we've seen a we've seen a Bryce Harper come back from injuries early and still make our top five, um, you know, list that we did a couple weeks ago uh, on the podcast. And I just feel like, um, I, I guess I'll just go ahead and say number ten is Julio Rodriguez. I don't feel like you can. I don't feel like you can rank Julio Rodriguez over Bryce Harper. I really don't. I, one of them is a World Series champion. I, I think I'm more looking. Uh, Bryce Harper's never won a World Series. Um, I think the I'm, Nationals. He wasn't on that national. Nope, he had just signed for the Phillies. Um, I My think God. I'm more looking at Julio Rodriguez ranking at ten as like this instant gratification, like this recency bias. Where it's yeah. like Harper hasn't been the best, or he hasn't been at this MVP level for uh, uh, two years. I'll say, I think that was his last MVP was two years ago. He hasn't been at that MVP level for two years, whereas Julio Rodriguez has been in the league for two years and has been unstoppable. Yeah, and, and once again, you happen. look at this this comparison of. Past performances, but showing a decline over the possibility of, of a future in this sport that is bigger than we've seen. Like, this guy's breaking records every week. So I think with Julio, it's just a matter of it just keeps getting better, and they're hoping that it'll continue to. Yeah, it's... I think what's so weird and what I'm getting hung up on is you have history that's happened before. It's recorded. Is up in the air. Yes, for sure. Um, and and so, our next one, I, I think, is a guy that is the perfect combination of past, present, and future upside. 
it's Garrett Cole at nine. This is the right ranking for Garrett Cole. I think for for many years uh, with top 100 and top 50 lists of players, um, you know, Jacob DeGrom found himself in the top 10 far too much. And they always want a pitcher here in the top 10. Garrett Cole is the pitcher to have in the top 10. If we're looking over the past couple of years, like the last 10 years, honestly, since Garrett Cole, you know, whenever Garrett Cole arrived in Houston, from then to now, he's a top 10 player in the MLB, 100%, and he just got his first Cy Young. So, theoretically, he's at the best he's been. Yeah, very true. Yeah, I like seeing him top 10. It's cool to see him get so much recognition, especially being ranked 37th last year. Yeah. Um, yeah MLB leading, he was the only whip under uh, under one last year. Um which, you know, we talked about when we did our pitchers. Yeah, I like nine for Garrett Cole. Um, is he the highest pitcher on this list besides, yes. I imagine, like where Shohei would be? Uh, yeah, I guess Shohei, you can kind of count him uh, a little bit. But, um, yeah, he is the uh, highest on the list. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I will agree with you that nine is perfect for Garrett Cole. Yeah, and it's mainly just because it's hard to put a pitcher higher than, I'd probably say five. Uh, but with the surplus of top talent and MVP candidates in this league right now, especially combining that with the youth of these players ahead of him, I think it's hard to put Cole over a lot of these guys. Yeah. So the next one is Jordan Alvarez at eight. This one I think is questionable. Ooh. I think he could be a little lower, personally. But once again, I think it's a good combination of prior performance future performance he's only 26 years old and he's got one hell of a body of work behind him and this past season was fantastic he finished third in al mvp uh in 2022 this past year a little bit of injuries a little bit of issues there couldn't quite make it up there but um the big thing is the future outlook for jordan alvarez he's 26 years old he's only really played dh like the his body takes almost no strain throughout 162 games and yet he hasn't played more than 144 games in a season but i i have a ton of respect for Jordan Alvarez and i think he's just going to keep getting better he only moves up one spot from last year uh but i think this is the right place for him yeah i i would agree with Jordan too um yeah he's just a freak of nature absolutely ridiculous like, I, I love Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. Number seven is Juan Soto. He moves up from number 12 last year, and I think this was because this is a guy that, at least in his time, because last year you got to factor in the fact that he was in Washington for part of the year and was getting no attention. Goes to San Diego, gets a little bit of attention there at the end of the year, but nothing crazy. Then... Sorry, am I getting my years wrong? Was he in San Diego all of last year? Yeah, I year? think so. I think he was. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I couldn't remember that. Uh, either way, he didn't get much recognition even this this year because the Padres weren't like an amazing team. Um, but Juan Soto has just steadily been one of the best. Now he's going to be on the Yankees, so the spotlight's certainly going to be on him, and that's for sure. 
But he's a young player, but he's got years under his belt. He, he came up 2019, lit it up, didn't win Rookie of the Year. Uh, but he's still a fantastic player. He's already a three-time All-Star. He's a four-time Silver Slugger, and he's just going to keep getting better. I, I think it's hard to say he won't. Uh, so, yeah, I think Juan Soto makes sense at seven. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, kind of putting aside my bias here is, would you not say that Jordan has had a more impressive career than Juan Soto has? It depends on what you're looking at because Juan Soto gets on base at such an alarming rate. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. <laughs> so, like, it is kind of hard to, like, discount what he's done. Um, but, yeah, Jordan has certainly had it. I think Jordan's durability uh, holds him under Juan Soto for me. It's just it, they seem very similar. They're both really young yeah. and crushing it at, yeah. at what they do. Um, I mean, maybe maybe there's an argument for arguing against Jordan Alvarez where he's only a DH. Juan Soto has, yeah. you know, kind of a field, fielding ability there. So I, I don't know. But I, I think um, Juan Soto at seven sounds about right. I just wanted to ask yeah. that question, have a little discussion. All right. Corey Seager. At number six, um, he had one hell of a year. Uh, you got to give him yeah. that. Uh, he was fantastic this season. He won the World Series this season. Um, it's a matter of staying healthy um, kind of every year for Corey Seager. He was amazing for the Dodgers. He's been, you know, two years ago wasn't the best in his first season with the Rangers. This past year, crazy. Just absolutely crazy considering – he didn't even play that many games, uh, but still became uh, a qualified batter and led the league in a number of categories. Um, he jumps all the way up from 33 after that down year last season, and, and I think they probably put a lot of a lot of that ranking into the fact that he just moved to a new place, he just got this big contract, and he played bad. Then they kind of correct themselves here by being like, okay, he had a career year. Now we got to give him his credit. They jump him up a ton. I think six makes sense. Corey Seager is one of the best players in the league. He's only 29 years old, so the upside is certainly there for the future. And he just is simply dominant in his position as well. Nobody touches him at shortstop right now. Yeah, um... I feel a little bit too high for Corey Seager. It definitely I think could be. The, the, the number six ranking as opposed to 33rd is, you know, with, with this whole list we've been talking about kind of like players' whole careers and stuff. I feel like with Corey Seager, they bought way into last season. Don't get me wrong. No, I agree. Last season was incredible. But I, I feel like they're valuing just one season a little bit too much. And, I mean, shit, he was an MVP, you know, he was an MVP caliber player. He was right there at the end with the Otani um, and Acuna and all them, but I, I don't know if I would have him over like Soto or Jordan Alvarez, to be honest with you. I think he's top 10, not six. I think defense uh, gives him the ability to, you know, put that over Soto and Alv uh, and Jordan. Like Corey Seager plays okay. one of the best shortstops as well. Like it's outside of his hitting. He plays a great shortstop and Obviously, Jordan doesn't really play defense, and Juan Soto doesn't play the best outfield. I think I would have to give Corey Seager a, a big defensive advantage over those two. But I, I think 
That's certainly the ballpark. It should be somewhere from six to eight for him. I just think six factors in the defense. I like it. All right, Freddie Freeman coming in at number five. Uh, I believe the oldest remaining player on the list, maybe the oldest at the top ten. Um, the guy is just absurd. <laughs> and yeah. it is crazy that uh, he's the third Highest-ranked Dodger. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude. And we're at five. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. Um, Yeah, just to quickly interject here, I think Freddie at five is perfect. I do, too. He is I like it. certainly the fifth-best player um, because he simply, I, I, I think at moments and in, 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 in stretches, he's better than all of them. Yeah, but if we're looking at definitely everything when it comes definitely. to past performance, future performance, you know, current performance, everything, and we're looking at full seasons, you can't you can't put them over some of these guys. Yeah, I like this stat here. I think we're reading off of this. Are you on MLB? Yeah, yeah, we're right both now, on MLB it? Network's website or MLB. So I like this stat here. I didn't realize that he was. Uh, 59 doubles. He led yeah. the MLB in doubles, and and also he fell short of. Uh, what does it say? Becoming the first player since yep. 1936 with 60 doubles? That's, I mean, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. I remember him insane. setting the uh, record for the most doubles in a season for a Dodger. Um, yeah, Freddie Freeman's just ridiculous. One of my favorite players of all time. Um, all right, number four is Shohei. Uh, this one, I think, is a drop because mm-hmm. of the injury. Um, yeah. Especially when we're looking into the future because going to stop him from pitching for a season obviously the offense is outstanding but if he can't pitch that does take something away from his game because then he's just a dh yeah and he loses the ability to make defensive plays and make a a difference outside of just hitting where when he does hit he certainly makes a difference but if he can't be healthy it's hard to say that he's going to be up there considering he certainly had his health concerns in his time in the MLB. Yeah. Um, man, my, my Yankee fandom is being very challenged right now with O'Shawnee <laughs> being at four. Or, O'Shawnee? Nice. O'Shawnee. Mr. Otani. I, I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like he should be below Aaron judge. I'll just go ahead and say it. I, I don't, I don't know about that. And Aaron Judge is an underrated fielder, and I like how you brought up that, you know, without him pitching, he is just a DH, which takes any defense away from what Otani can provide. But even just take Otani's pitching from when he was in the MLB, you know, pitching well, is better than Aaron Judge, in my opinion. I'm sorry. Yeah. Aaron Judge at fourth, Otani third is how I would have that ranked. I, I'm in the same boat. I, I think... And I don't know if you're going to agree with this. You might You might not. I think we put way too much stock in Aaron Judge's home run record for the AL. I think, it, I think it has far overrated him in the league. He's, he's fantastic. He's a top five player 100% in the MLB. But having him at three when he didn't play a full season, he's going to be hurt this year. We already know that because it's a toe injury that isn't actually getting fixed. Uh, It's just he's going to have to get over it. 
Like, I, I think we're putting a little bit too much stock in the 62 home run season. It, it was definitely impressive, but I, I think with, especially if you want to talk about last season, like just look at the Atlanta Braves and how many home runs they were able to hit. Yeah. Maybe in 2024, 62, 63 home runs isn't that impressive. Maybe. I, I, I will agree. It was it was fun to keep up with, all the media attention on him. I loved it for him. But we're, I mean, shit, Ellie De La Cruz, give him four or five years. Let's see how many home runs he can hit if he keeps getting better. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe in definitely two to three <laughs> years, we'll start to realize that maybe Aaron Judge's record was not all that. Maybe. Yeah. I will give Aaron Judge his credit over Shohei for the defense, though. They had a great stat here on uh, MLB Network or uh, MLB.com. Um, since his first season in 2017, only Mookie Betts has more defensive runs saved among outfielders uh, than Aaron Judge. Solid. Which uh, brings us cannon. to uh, number two, Mookie Betts. Could he be yeah, lower? I... Yeah, definitely. Okay. I just want to make sure we're on the same so. page. Because in a time where we put so much stock in power hitting. He finally had a big power year, and it was 39 home runs. Yeah. I think, look, I think Mookie Betts, once again, top five player, 100%. I don't know about number two in the league. I think well, what, what Shohei Otani does on a daily basis and what Aaron Judge do on a daily basis, to me, seems more impressive than Mookie Betts. You could argue Mookie Betts' versatility at defense. He may not yes. play it well. Yes, but, but he, he is moving to slides. second base. Yeah. So that's, that is that is different. Um, I it just, I don't know, man. It's tough. I will say the defense I mean, is the big the big thing that puts him up here. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. He can play outfield, and he's going to be a great defensive second baseman. Yeah, and I, I think I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Well, you're saying that Mookie Betts is a good defender? Yes. Oh, yeah. He's outstanding. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I Baseball savant tells a different story. Uh, maybe last year. Okay, well, I, I will say... I would take what Baseball Savant says about his defense with a grain of salt because he was moving around different positions. That's fair. That's so fair. it's hard to to figure that all out. The By guy's the way, got six Dodgers gold gloves. To one. Yeah, I'm I'm watching the bottom <laughs> of the ninth right now. There's only one out remaining. Six gold gloves. Yeah, six gold gloves yeah. in his career. That's a pretty good amount. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, I think, you know, going off of what Aaron Judge was able to accomplish in his short time last year, uh, especially defensively, maybe Otani's second, Judge is still third, and then you have Mookie at four. That's what I think it should be. Well, is Freddie Freeman better than Mookie Betts? No, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe not. I don't know. I think there's a, there's a, there's a foot in the door for that one, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think you could argue it, but... All right. Yeah, here it is. Ronald Acuna Jr. in right field. Ah, number one. And they had him at 25th last yeah, year. <laughs> I know. I was wow. I was real fucking pissed last year. Uh, and it was a down year last year, and he was coming off the ACL. 
I get it. Things are right now. We did it. Okay. 41 home runs, 73 stolen bases. Oh, my God, dude. Unanimous in LMVP. He's insane. He, I, he really is. I love the fact that they had Acuna over Otani, though, because I agree. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree. Far and away, especially if you, once again, count into the fact that Shohei's not going to pitch next year, and he didn't pitch for the second half of the year last year. Yeah, I mean, just pick what you need him to do. You need him yeah. to run down a fly ball that's not close to him. He might make it a spectacular catch to get there. Yeah. You need him to gun down a guy at home. He could probably push 103, getting it to home plate from the outfield. You need him to steal a base. He's probably got you on that too. Home runs, yes. Hitting, yes. I it's just it's unfucking believable. And he plays in Atlanta. Yeah. It's crazy. Luckily. I, it's <laughs> absolutely crazy. And he said he wants to be a brave for life. I did see that. That oh man, that gets me going. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, is there any uh, ones you know we can take a look through the list real quick and just kind of point out guys where maybe you think it should be higher or lower? Um, Ellie De La Cruz at 100 is absurd. He should not be ranked. Um. There's so many guys at the bottom of this list that I don't think should be ranked. I don't think Matt McLean should be ranked. I don't think Tristan Cassis should be ranked. Um, I think Dylan Cease should be higher than 92. And Evaldi. Why is he so... Why was he not ranked last year? Was he injured? Uh, he just wasn't all that good last year. Um, okay. And then this year, it he was good in, at times. I, I would say yeah, he was I, good at times. I'd say uh, William Contreras, I think, needs to be higher. Than eighty one. Um, I would say, uh, who did that? JD Martinez could probably be higher than eighty five, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, same with uh, Ozuna. Mar- yeah, Marcelo higher Ozuna. than eighty three. I agree. Yep. Uh, I'm still kind of looking here. Don't mind those. Yamamoto at sixty one is absurd. We can't He's be doing already that. On this list? We can't do that. Oh, fuck it. Put Trevor Bauer in here, too. Why don't you? <laughs> How the fuck is Ozzy Albee 66? Why does he get no fucking respect? I don't yeah, understand I... how Ozzy Albee gets no respect. And the same goes for Dansby and Carlos Correa, who are right behind him. And Cattell Marte ahead of him. None of those guys get any fucking respect. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Um, uh, Josh Hader, I think you could probably have higher. Maybe. I agree. Yeah, uh, he's a tough one. Yeah. It's hard with relievers. Vladdy took a hit. Good. He sucks to his rank. Vladdy took a massive hit. Um, I'm trying to see. See, I I hate when they do shit like this. Sean Murphy, JT Romuto, Will Smith, all in a row. Yeah, that that almost makes it feel like they didn't try. Yeah. When they were making their list, they just threw a bunch of catchers in. I yeah. get that. Uh I don't see too many I think Rafael Devers could be higher than thirty two. He had a good year and he was nineteen Devers. last year. Yeah, damn, Paul Goldschmidt took a massive hit. Went from being yeah. him and Arenado both. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Maybe they could be higher, but they 
they were bad and age is catching up. So I don't hate that. Yeah. What what do you what do you think about Blake Snell at 30? It's so tough. He's so inconsistent. Like when it comes to like a full season, he is inconsistent, which sounds crazy. But it's just like up year, down year, up year, down year, like his entire career. Damn, another guy. I didn't realize that they had Machado fifth last year. Wow. Yeah. Top you, five. Very 24th. high ranking. Mm, I think this is one I, of I the better lists they've put together overall. Mainly because in past years, they put a little bit too much stake in guys that were aging and maybe had a history of injuries and stuff like that, like DeGrom and Mike Trout. Um, so I, I think they did a better job of kind of taking into account youth and and future upside in these lists. How do you feel about Tatis getting the same rank as he did last year? It's fine. He had a surprisingly good season, and he has added defense to his arsenal of talent. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, yeah, I think we're going to wrap up. Um, with that, I, I don't know what we're really going to talk about for the MLB coming up. Maybe we'll start doing some some predictions for the MLB. Um, you know, we'll see. We've got like just over a month until the season starts, so we'll figure out what we're going to talk about in the MLB. Um, yeah. for the time being, but for now, let's talk about the Premier League. Um, we got quite a few uh okay games. Uh, yeah, we'll say okay, uh, games. <laughs> not great. Definitely not great. Um, but they're for sure okay. Um, and we'll start with Man United versus Fulham. I picked this game because both these teams are kind of weird. Uh, Manchester United have been great. I, I can't really knock them. Honestly, they've been pretty damn good. Uh, they find themselves all the way up into sixth place now in the league. Um, you know They're unbeaten in their last five. They've got four straight wins in the Prem. It looks good right now for them. Uh, Fulham, on the other hand, not at all. <laughs> not looking good for Fulham. They lost their last one. Uh, they did have a win over Bournemouth, two straight draws, and it was with Everton and Burnley, which is atrocious, and a loss to Chelsea. Um Fulham needs a win. Man United needs a win. They find themselves only three points outside of a Europa League spot behind Tottenham Hotspur. This is, um, I, I, I think that between one, two, and three, and four, five, and six, we're going to have a pretty good, like, two separate races. I don't think they're going to overlap, though. Um, I think, yeah. to me, right now, it's pretty definitive. The top three... And four through six are pretty uh, pretty in there. Maybe Brighton um, could make make a leap at like one of those four, five, six spots. Yeah, and I actually wanted to extend that win streak for or unbeaten streak for United. They're actually unbeaten in their last seven, nice, um, which is crazy for them. They're coming off of a game against Luton Town where Rashford Hoyland scored two goals. That was their two goals yeah. of the game. It was a two-one win, and I I love that. Um, they. He just is slightly, you know, starting to turn things around. And, and I, I that's, love it. I think really what's been great. Yeah. Um, 
once again, they're still playing Kobe Manu, which I love. It's just defensively, not only are they injured, but they don't really have it figured out. Onana, yeah. who has kind of turned it around, is still a question mark for me. Um, Harry Maguire played in the Lutontown game. He wasn't really that great. And Varane hasn't really been good for Manchester United. So no. they definitely have some things overall that they need to figure out. But, you know, first things first, they just need to keep winning because they, they're they very hot right now, and they honestly just need to keep it that way. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, they find themselves in an interesting position. I like that you pointed out the injuries on the defense you got Luke Shaw out until mid-May, uh, which is going to put you right up to nearly the end of the season before his return. Uh, Lissandra Martinez is going to have uh, like three more weeks till he's back, and Juan Basaka about two weeks away from being back. That's three starters pretty regularly. Juan Basaka, you know, maybe he doesn't start all the time, but Luke Shaw and Lissandra Martinez are huge losses to that defense. Luckily, these guys get okay. Unluckily, these guys get hurt. But at the same time, they're lucky that the offense has turned up entirely since these guys have gone down. It's certainly helped them out. Having Hoylund playing better, having really good chance creation from the midfield is huge for them. They're going to continue winning. Fulham, on the other hand, are in a really bad spot. You know, uh, Yao Polino has been up and down all season. He was kind of the anchor of this team the last two years. He's been so good. Um, and I believe he's actually suspended uh, against Manchester United. And then uh, Raul Jimenez uh, might miss this game. He's just kind of banged up. Uh, that would certainly give them uh, a tough spot to be in. I, I think with Fulham, they're weird because they they have great players on this team. And it just doesn't seem like all of it comes together, you know? Like, they have the ability yeah. to be a good team. But it just yeah, doesn't seem I, like it, they can capitalize. Especially when you look at players like Willian, who, you know, he, he's getting up there in age now. He is still able to be a consistent winger for them. Yeah. And I think that's phenomenal. And the Premier League, too. Um, But, yeah, you're just right. I mean, they have Bernard Leno, who's, you know, done great things in the Bundesliga and came, you know, I think to England via Arsenal, I think was the first team he came over and played for. Um, Like you said, Tim Ream is here as well. You're you're right. Fulham has built themselves a nice, stable, middle-of-the-pack team, but they are by no means going to be able to dig into, like, a deep top 10, 7th or 6th spot. I just can't see that happening. Yeah. which is why I'm going to go ahead and give a score prediction. I'm going to ride the hot hand with Manchester United, but Fulham played a really good game against Aston Villa last week. It took a, a really, really, really sick performance from Ollie Watkins to get over uh, Fulham or Villa. So I'm going to go with like a another 2-1 loss for Fulham to United. So 2-1 United. Yeah, uh, I know for a fact United's not losing. Uh, they haven't lost to Fulham in their last 17 meetings, and that includes 14 Uh-oh. wins. Um and also, I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give it to United three uh, nil because Fulham uh, doesn't score goals all that well, and they've also conceded the most penalties this season, um, which kind of swayed me into adding a third goal into my prediction. So I'm gonna take Man United three nil over Fulham. Yeah, and that's honestly another thing to Fulham's point. If you're conceding a lot of penalties, that means that you are a better team than probably where you are in the table. Yeah. The way that I see it. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, let's talk about uh, Arsenal-Newcastle. 
This game Uh-oh. could be good. It could be. Up the tune. The problem is, once again, we find ourselves in a position where all of our players are hurt again. Um, obviously, Nick Pope, Matt Target, they've been out for a while. Joe Willick, right back to being hurt. Joe Ellington goes right onto the injured list as soon as all of these players come back. Uh, Elliot Anderson, hurt again. Callum Wilson, hurt again. Alexander Isaac, still a little beat up. Might come back for this one. Not too sure. Um, and look, I, I we started making this turn two nil over Fulham, three one over Villa, and then we have this four four draw against Luton Town that was one of the most ridiculous matches I've watched all season. Um, <laughs> and then we get a win over Nottingham oh, Forest, which is a team we should be beating. It was a close one, but we won. And then a two two draw with Bournemouth that just sent me over the fucking edge. And I'm so glad we equalized in the 90th plus two from Matt Ritchie. That was great. The problem is the injuries have killed this lineup up front. I'm so glad Harvey Barnes is back. Anthony Gordon, not a fucking striker. I I could tell you that much. You could question my soccer knowledge as much as you'd like. Anthony Gordon is not a striker. Yeah. At all. I would much rather see... Even Harvey Barnes play as like a, a false nine with Anthony Gordon on the left and allow Anthony Gordon and Almiron to get in front of him to create chances. But Anthony Gordon cannot play up top. No. I do like that Jacob Murphy's finding his way in often. Um, you know, he got in in the 67th minute in this game, uh, he replaced Harvey Barnes. I'd like to see Jacob Murphy starting right now. I think he's very good. You know, he's he's back into fitness. I, I think he looks very good. Um, I still think Tino Livermento should be starting over Dan Byrne every single game because Dan Byrne simply is not a left back. He just he can't. He cannot keep up. And I I hate that I have to keep saying this because he is a Newcastle fan, born and raised, but he's just simply not good enough to keep up with the elite talent in the Premier League. And once again, it showed against Bournemouth, um, considering uh, Semenyo was his direct matchup, and he scored a goal in this game. It just kills me. Um, And and to see this Bournemouth squad, which I will give Bournemouth this, they have an interestingly, like, fun-to-watch team. When I watched this match, like, it, it wasn't all that bad. Um... You know, Antoine Semenyo is good. He's 24 years old, super pacey right wing. Dominic Solanke has been a goal-scoring machine this season for Bournemouth. Um, you know, I don't hate watching I'll Justin Clyver. youth player. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, um, and, then, and then Clivert, obviously the son of yeah. Barcelona legend. Um, oh, my God, Clivert. what's the first name of Patrick? Thank you. Um, it's cool to see him do well. I'm, I'm a little bit sad at his career trajectory, you yeah. know, going from Ajax to Roma and now to Bournemouth in the Premier League, it's like, yeah, he's in the Premier League, but it's not, he's not moving in the right direction. But he, I mean, he seems to be okay at Bournemouth. Just yeah, not he's all you right. know, what his dad was. Yeah. Uh, so but, look, I, I'm, I'm disappointed with how Newcastle's been, but I also just kind of have to blame it on the injuries. On the Arsenal side, they're great in the Prem right now, but they just lost 1-0 oh to Porto um, on a ridiculous winner, which which we'll go in depth on uh, in the UCL part of this episode, but I, 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 
I still trust Newcastle to keep this one close. The problem is, when you look at it, Arsenal, they're second in goal scored per match with 2.3. They've been awarded the most penalties this season with 8. They've kept the most clean sheets in the Prem with 10. <laughs> it's it's hard to do. It's hard to keep up with that uh, anytime. And, and with Newcastle, they're scoring a lot of goals. They average still over two goals per game at 2.1. They're fourth in the uh, in the Prem. They're unbeaten in their last four away games. Um, and Kieran Trippier continues, continues to make chances over and over and over again. He's created the second most big chances in the Prem with 13. Um, I love what we do. Arsenal is simply too good at the moment for us to knock them off. Yeah, um, and I want to talk about Arsenal's last five Premier League games. They have scored 21 goals and conceded twice. Uh, that That is a stat yeah. that really we should all just let sink in. Um, uh, um, uh, during that period, it was a 5-0 win over Palace, a 2-1 win over Forest, 3-1 over Liverpool, which are right up there with them. That's that's beating a top three team by two goals. The number one team. West Ham, they... Yeah, yeah West Ham, <laughs> they absolutely thrash 6-0. Yeah. And then they do it again to Burnley, 5-0. I, I, I've never really... I, I didn't know runs like this could even happen in the Premier League, but, you know, when you're Arsenal, I guess they can. But, like you said, they hit a brick wall uh, in their yeah. midweek game against Porto where a 40-year-old Pepe led a clean sheet over Arsenal. And that's that's what I mean. Every time we talk about Porto in the Champions League, and I always say, oh, watch out for Porto, it's games like this. Um, Definitely. But we're not talking about Porto. I want to go back to Arsenal. I just, I love the fight of Newcastle. It, you know, they're really low on the table compared to where they were last year. But, like, they everything's been a grind for them. Injuries have sucked. They, they've had to just work through that. And... This is going to be a tough game for them, though. Our Arsenal just look very, very good, but I don't think Arsenal's going to get past Newcastle easily. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and give a score prediction here. I think Arsenal will win like 2-1 or 3-1 over Newcastle, but with Newcastle's injuries, I think a 3-1 would be a, a decent result against Arsenal, in my opinion. Yeah, if you can score a goal right now on Arsenal with this team... With with no strikers healthy, I I wouldn't yeah. mind it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my guys a little bit of a benefit and say that they're gonna lose two one to Arsenal. Um, yeah, but I think it's gonna be a a late like second half goal for Arsenal to uh to get the yeah. winner. Uh, yeah, Newcastle are gonna play them tough. Yeah, I, I think so. I I do trust this team in that, and I do trust how with leading these guys to do that. Because, like, even in games where I was coming on here the podcast after and being like, we have no fucking depth. <laughs> yeah. 90th minute, we can't bring anybody in that would be an improvement. Like, he still gets these guys to fight, and, and I respect the hell out of that. Um, let's go to a game in the middle of the week. Uh, this one is going to be played on Monday, so I guess the beginning of the week still. Um, and that's going to be West Ham-Brentford. These two teams are in weird, weird spots right now. Uh, they're separated by 11 points, uh, but only five spots in the table. Um, West Ham, a negative eight goal differential, and they find themselves with 36 points, and they're in ninth place. Brentford, a negative nine goal differential. They find themselves with 25 points, and they're in 14th place. Yeah. Something ain't adding up for Brentford. No. 
No, nothing. Nothing adds up for them. <laughs> because they've also conceded the same amount of goals as West Ham. And they've scored one less. But the results just don't go their way. And they certainly haven't in their last five. A 1-0 loss against Man City, a top three team. 4-1 against Liverpool, the, the leaders. That's a bad one. 2-0 over Wolves. 3-1 loss to Man City. 3-2 loss to Tottenham. The scheduling is fucking them. Uh, Brentford have been shit on. I, yeah. I mean, the, their last five have been a just like running through no man's land. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Well, and like when you look at it, like, yes, the last five has been brutal and, and maybe they, they probably should have been better. But like you go back past, you know, that, that loss to Tottenham, they have a win over new, uh, over Nottingham forest, but like they went through a stretch that, Absolutely killed them, and it was all close, close losses. Um, you had a 2-1 loss to Brighton, a 1-0 loss to Sheffield United, who you should not be losing to, a 2-1 loss to Villa, a 4-1 loss to Wolves, and a 3-1 loss to Palace. How are you losing to Villa by one goal, but you lose to Wolves by three and you lose to Crystal Palace by two? I don't know. I just I, I can't get it with Brentford because like they have guys on this team that like can actually come out and like have a good performance. Yeah. But they just can't put Definitely. it all together. They can't. It's it's their last five. I and you just kind of went through it, but they had the win over Forest, the loss against Tottenham, which was only three two, and then Man City right after Tottenham, they lose one to three. Wolves, they beat 2-0, so they get a clean sheet there. Then they play Liverpool. So it went Tottenham City, Wolves, Liverpool. They lose 4-1 to Liverpool, and then they have to play Man City again, yeah. which they only lost 1-0. Yeah, Brentford have just been absolutely fucked, and I, I would honestly like just like to mention, I don't really feel like 14th is really Brentford. It just seems like all their games have been so situational. They play good teams really well. And, you know, they get yeah. shit on by um, the, the smaller teams or they beat the smaller teams. There's really no in between. Then you go over to the West Ham side. Their last five, they had a 2-2 draw against Sheffield United, which is horrible. Both teams had a red card in that game. Then you go over to Bournemouth and you 1-1 draw them. Then you play United. You lose 3-0, which United are hot now, so I'll give them that. But you should not be giving up to six, six goals to Arsenal. I'm sorry, no. you're a Premier League team too. You got to compete better there. And your rivals. And then, your rivals. Yeah, and your rivals. And then their last game was Forest, where they had another red card. They yeah. lose 2-0. Dude, and they I, haven't, I feel they like haven't scored a goal since February 1st. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal for West Ham. So, you know... I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give a score prediction. I think Brentford are gonna win. I, I'm gonna go two too. nil Brentford. That's bold, but two nil Brentford. Uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two one Brentford uh, over West Ham. I just think West Ham struggles. Uh, this is not the end of them for sure. Um, no, no. If you can't score goals, you're not gonna win matches. And the fact that you couldn't score goals against Nottingham Forest last week, that's abysmal. You should not be having yeah. that bad of a result against Nottingham Forest at this point in the season with the squad that you have. So if you're gonna go play, or if you're gonna play Brentford, 
Brentford's going to show up. They're going to do something. They have goal scorers like Ivan Tony on this team. They can go out there and do something, but you can't. So I'm going to take Brentford 2-1. Yeah, I, I, I like that. But I, I really I wanted to jump on the point that you just made, and I wanted to talk about West Ham. Although it is so easy to shit on them right now with how bad they've been, you brought up the best point, and that is they just can't score goals. The midfield of Kudus, Alvarez, Calvin Phillips, and Susek sometimes is really phenomenal. Yeah. Like I feel like it's overlooked a lot. And, you know, defensively, I feel like they could be better. I like their goalie, Areola. I think he's a good goalie yeah. for them. And even defensively, they have Kurt Zuma, who's shown flashes before. West Ham are not a bad team. They are just – they can't score goals. They're they, – yeah, they just can't score goals right now. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, that's going to do it for this. Um, the other games this weekend, you got Villa versus Nottingham Forest, Brighton, Everton, Crystal Palace, Burnley, uh, Man United, Fulham. Bournemouth, Man City, Arsenal, Newcastle, which is kind of a late start. A 3 p.m. start on Saturday uh, for Arsenal, Newcastle. That's Eastern time. Uh, Sunday, uh, you've got Wolves, Sheffield United. That's it at 8.30 in the morning, which is really weird. Oh, God. Uh, and then uh, Monday, you've got West Ham, Brentford at uh, 3 p.m. Luke, let's talk about this week in the Champions League because it was breathtaking. A couple of these results. And uh, we'll start with um, the earliest being, uh, yeah, it was 1-0 Inter over Atletico Madrid. Yeah, and it it took 79 minutes for this game to see a goal. Yeah. Uh, I, once again, I still love how Inter sets up. Still love the five at the back. Um, I think it's sometimes, though, the playmaking isn't perfect in this five at the back setup. Um, I will say the midfield is great and they have been um, namely Barella and uh, Chalon Lu, but you know, Henrik Mkhitaryan holds his own still. He has been around for a while. He still holds his, his, uh, his weight, but I think Lautaro Martinez, um, He's almost like I wouldn't say he's regressed, but like it, it seems like he's last year in that second half of the season he was riding off the high of that World Cup, and now yeah. it, it seems like he's kind of taken a step back. I wouldn't say he's bad at all. He's probably still the best overall player on this team, but he's taken a little bit of a step back. Yeah, and but I will say I really like him partnered with uh, Marcus Thuram, who I know they they brought in just recently. You have your very powerful striker, and then your striker that's kind of more of a playmaker in Lautaro yeah. Martinez. So I think that matches up well. Um, yeah, I mean Inter Inter look great. They are, they are a team that they they necessarily won't rack up the score sheet on you, but they're going to make sure you don't score, which. Yeah. It's funny to say, on the other side, Atletico Madrid with Diego Simeone have always done the same thing. Exactly. Which is why this game was probably 1-0. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. So. Like, this was, you know, Inter won the possession 56-44. to um, Inter fired off 19 shots, 5 on target. Atletico Madrid only had 7 shots, none on target. Yeah. Um, that's a yeah. That's a big, big differential there. And aids to the reason why Atletico Madrid kind of overall was just a bad performance across the board. Um, I didn't like this setup, 
for the defense. Uh, for Atletico Madrid, I think it could be much better. Um, I, I think Axel Witzel, just <laughs> 35 years old, and you're throwing him at center back in a Champions League match in the knockout yeah, that's rounds? Crazy. <laughs> like that's that's some that's questionable uh, in my yeah. mind. Uh, even for Diego Simeone, who has been a defensive mastermind in his time with Atletico Madrid. Um, yeah, I, I, this one was a, an, an interesting result. I, I think, I still think Atletico Madrid is the better team, but I think Inter, their play style works well against Atletico Madrid. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I want I wanted to look up, um, I don't know if you could say or Atletico's the better team because I wanted to bring up the fact that Inter have been absolutely destroying teams. Um, yeah, they haven't lost in a very long time. Really? They're first in the Serie A right now. Oh, uh, wow. They just, they, um, yeah, here, I want to run through this this run. On February 4th, they played Juventus. They had a 1-0 draw. Then uh, Sorry, Saturday, a so a week later. one 1-1? One, uh, so I don't know why I said any of the words. One nil win gotcha. over Juventus. Sorry. Then they go and play Roma uh, six days later. They're going to beat them four two. Um, then they had another four nil win after that, and that's kind of their last three. But they haven't lost a game in a long time. Nice. Yeah. Um, and Atletico Madrid on the other side, I, I don't know. I, I really haven't paid attention to much La Liga other than Girona and Real Madrid. I, yeah. Crazy. Crazy title Girona race. in that sentence. <laughs> um, but I, I did I did find it weird looking at this lineup. It has Marcos uh, Urente lined up at striker with Griezmann. I've never known him to be a striker. Yeah, me neither. And I, I don't know if this, this formation that they're showing is exactly correct. Um, yeah. Because, like like you said, Llorente doesn't typically line up there. Axel Witzel doesn't typically line up in the back line. It was a little weird. Um, but, yeah. you know, who knows? Let's talk about the next game, though. PSV draws 1-1 with Dortmund. Um, oh. I'm glad that PSV's playing so well. Um, this is a good result for them, no doubt. Yeah, um, definitely. You I, definitely I give yourself a chance it. going to Dortmund next or uh, two weeks from now yeah for sure um let's see uh wanted to look at the stats here sorry it's getting me a second to pull it up they actually had more possession than dortmund and more shots yeah i guess they were great truly truly an off year for dortmund all, all across the board bundesliga champions league even though they're in the knockout round um yeah dortmund have just kind of struggled yeah i wish we could just replace them with uh with Leverkusen in the Champions League, because oh, Leverkusen, say Newcastle. No, Leverkusen is just going to thrash the Europa League. <laughs> they, they better. <laughs> they definitely better. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, it looks like Jaden Sancho isn't even really finding his feet there. No. Dortmund striker, I've actually never Full heard Krug. of. Before. He was uh, with uh, Werder Bremen last year. He was fantastic. Okay. Yeah, well, it's he's already getting starts over Mullen. Yeah, well, Mullen started on the it's right. Insane. Um, in this game, and I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe he was. Um, I think. Am I thinking of the right guy? Where is Mullen from? Uh, Holland. Okay, I'm not thinking of the right guy. Who the hell am I thinking of? 
that just won AFCON. Oh, Holler, maybe. Ah. Uh, well, they're both from the Netherlands, aren't they? Holler okay, maybe and Holland? I'm, who am I thinking of? I don't know who it is. I feel so dumb right now. <laughs> who am I thinking of? What country did he play for in AFCON? I can't remember whoever won. No, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is Holler. Um, plays for uh, did, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast. Oh, my bad. I yeah, I think he played in the Netherlands. Nonetheless, um, I think he's hurt at the moment. Uh, since he came back from from Afcon, uh, whatever. That was just a useless tangent. Um, I'm glad to see Marcel <laughs> Sabitzer playing well. I think he got kind of fucked over by getting returned to Bayern Munich. Uh, from Manchester United. I was hoping Manchester United would have bought him back in the summer. Um, Same. But Same. he gets loaned. I think he got loaned out uh, again, this time to Borussia Dortmund, and he's played well this season, and uh, he had the assist uh, in this game. Yeah, and how about uh, Ian Madsen? The, I, I don't. I can't remember if Chelsea sold him to Dortmund or loaned him, but he's already a starting left back in, at Dortmund, sure. so that's kind of impressive. Um, I think it was a loan. Yeah, uh, they have a they have Schlotterbeck as well. I love him as a center yeah, back. He's, he's definitely gonna he's gonna be a German center back that we're gonna be talking about a lot more in the next couple of years. And they still have Hummels, so definitely it's not a bad lineup, but um, definitely a down year for them. And I I kind of like PSV playing them well. Um, and I think I agree with what you said. They definitely set themselves up to have a you know a good game in Germany. But you know I say it every time the Bundesliga fans are different, especially yeah. Dortmund. Oh yeah, especially Dortmund. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the next one, though. This was the surprising result. FC Porto, 1-0 over Arsenal. Uh, this was certainly an interesting Arsenal squad. Um, I wouldn't totally consider this their first team. Uh, you know, Trossard in the middle, uh, up front. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, I think, is a little banged up. I thought it was really interesting. They only made one sub in this game, and it was Trossard for Jorginho. Um, I don't like that considering yeah, right. Porto ended up scoring in the 90th plus four. Yeah. What are you going to do with Jorginho? <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, I mean, if, if I, if I really needed Jorginho in the squad, uh, put him in left center mid, take out Havertz, uh, you know, in the 74th minute or whenever, um, I would have liked to see Eddie and Ketia come on at striker. Um, even uh, Reese Nelson, or I don't know exactly how you pronounce it. Uh, it's R-E-I-S-S, Nelson. Uh, I would assume that's Reese. I don't know. He was great in the group stages. I've seen good things from him. He doesn't typically play striker, but I think he could play there. Um, or you could move anybody to striker and put him in there. Uh, but did you see the game-winning goal by uh, Galena? I, I did not see the goal. I did not. Pretty pretty solid from pretty far out uh, as well. Um, trying to see if it'll show me the distance on it. It is not. Um, yeah, expected goal zero point zero two. Um, this from pretty deep. Uh, I will say, uh, and it was beautiful, beautiful right footed goal. Uh, into the far post, or sorry, into the the top corner on the far side. Um, great shot by a uh, Wenderson Galeno. Um, otherwise, yeah, Arsenal just was flat. Weren't creating chances. Um, Trossard just was not getting shots off. Like I 
assumed he wouldn't because he's not a striker. Um, yeah, overall, like both these teams played super well, but this certainly makes things interesting. Bringing this, uh, you know, bringing this matchup back to London in two weeks. Definitely, and I, I wanted to bring up something because the stats definitely reflect that Arsenal didn't play a true striker at striker. Yeah, they dominated ball possession, sixty-five percent. They had one less shot than Porto did at seven. Porto had eight. They didn't get a single shot on target. Yeah, that's a problem. Big problem. So, yeah, it's, you know, I I get it. You know, for some teams, it's really hard to balance, you know, the Premier League and then you have the midweek Champions League, which are just as big of a deal, if not more to some teams. I mean, if you think about Real Madrid, they focus on the Champions League, it seems like. But, um. Yeah, I, I would say for Arsenal going forward, maybe look to add some depth to this team so you don't have to line up with Trossard at striker against yeah, well, a very. They have you know, Ketia. I don't know why they won't start him. Yeah, I, I don't get that either. I don't. I don't get that either. All right. Well, let's talk about Napoli Barcelona. They drew one one. Um, I really want to talk about this formation for Barcelona and the players in these positions. <laughs> First off, Christensen, center mid. Mm. What? <laughs> like, why? Uh, and then Barcelona's going to be like, it's called being broke. Yeah, and they put Pedri <laughs> on the left. Left wing. Yeah, debatable. He, he was the best player in the game, for sure. He had an assist on the on their only goal. Um, but uh, just so weird. <laughs> considering yeah, I, you have options like yep I, I don't get it very uh very even game possession wise 51 to yeah. 49 barcelona just had double the shots that napoli did yeah yeah and yeah, I, I, I think napoli has taken a, a quite a big step back um considering last year was just fantastic for them um you know victor osman still great Kavrashili is, you know, good at times. He's primarily good in the the in Serie A, not as as good in the Champions League this season. Um, yeah, but like Giovanni Di Lorenzo is still a fantastic right back. I think he's one of the best in the world right now. Um, I, I would give it to him. And then yeah. like Matteo Politano has played pretty well, considering he's a thirty year old right wing that has never really gotten a lot of attention. Um, he's been pretty good, and uh, he was all right in this match, but. Yeah, like this is a game that Barcelona probably should have won. Um, overall, you know, double the shots. They had six shots on target compared to Napoli's one. Um, you know, they were passing well. Like this is a game they they really should have won. Honestly. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually recognize any of the names in midfield that um, Napoli started. Uh, Labotka, I, I do recognize. Uh, he's he's pretty solid, uh, Slovakian center mid, uh, and Gisa, he's played elsewhere, and been like okay, but he's a he's a relatively average center mid, I'd say. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know, I don't know, uh, Yen Yenslis Kajuste, never heard of him. Yeah, it really makes you wonder because I mean it's it's almost one hundred percent certain that Osiman won't return to Napoli. It makes you wonder what they're gonna look like without him. Yeah, big time. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, 
No, go ahead. I agree with you. Definitely a game that uh, Barcelona, I was just trying to get it back on track. Definitely a game that Barcelona should have won. I will say for my fandom of just, you know, two top players, a 1-1 draw with Ossiemann and Lewandowski being the goal scorers is pretty cool. That is pretty sick. That's, that's sick. Yeah, I like and, and like, I don't hate, like, this Barcelona squad. I think the defense is as good as it gets for this Barcelona team. Um, you know, De Jong and yeah. Gundogan have been fantastic in the midfield. I think Pedri should probably be in the midfield um, just because you do have options. Uh, like, you could put Yao Felix at left wing. He's played there before. He has experience there. Um, you could even put Lamine Yamal on the left wing and put somebody else on the right. Like, they have a lot of options um, that I don't feel like they were using too well. Like, they ended up taking out uh, Yamal for Rafinha uh, in the 80th uh, and putting him on the right. Like, there's so many things they could have done. I don't hate how they did this. I just think that maybe adding, you know, guys in their natural positions, like Christensen does not help you get the ball forward. And the fact that he was in no. the game all the way until the 86th minute is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that that runs out uh, this past week's Champions League matches. Next week uh, are the leg twos. So we have Bayern Munich versus Lazio. Um, yeah, Bayern Munich versus Lazio and Real Sociedad PSG on Tuesday. And we have Man City versus Copenhagen on Wednesday and Real Madrid versus Leipzig on Wednesday. Um, I'm going to need to pull these up so I know what the aggregate is. Lazio has the 1-0 advantage over Bayern Munich. Um, heading to Munich uh, for that match. That one could get interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know about Bayern. Yeah, anymore. Bayern's been a little weird uh, as of recent. They've lost their last three in all competitions. I literally said that Harry Kane could win the Ballon d'Or at Bayern. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, I, it, hindsight 2020, but like doing a podcast, it's like, I cannot believe I said that like yeah. in public and it was posted. Yeah, that is tough. <laughs> I will say. Uh, uh, Harry Kane has been good. I'll give him that. Yeah, um, he's been all right. All right. So for Real Sociedad PSG, PSG has the 2 nil advantage uh, heading to Spain for that match. I, I, don't think Real Sociedad beats them by two goals. Yeah, they don't have enough there. If it was one nil, maybe. Yeah. Two nil. It's gonna be tough. Yeah, Man City has the three one advantage over Copenhagen, bringing that one to Man City. Um hey, yeah, I got a feeling Man City holds on to that one for sure. Yeah. And yep. then uh Real Madrid Leipzig uh was a one nil win for Real Madrid, but they bring it to the Bernabeu next week and um I, I do think the injuries are an issue. You know, Alaba out for the season. Uh, Eder Militao out until mid-April. Um, Jude Bellingham out for a couple more weeks. Thibaut Courtois could be making his comeback soon, which is nice because he got hurt, like, in the offseason. Um, and then uh, we could also see a return for Antonio Rudiger um, in a couple of weeks because he's been out for quite a bit of time as well. Um, but... I think just the firepower for Real Madrid and the depth uh, is huge. They did have a draw over the weekend with Rio Vallecano, uh, but you know I, I still think they uh, they hold strong considering it's coming to the Bernabeu for this final match. Yeah, and it is Madrid in the Champions League. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, looks like uh, I'm going to just check my my fictional watch. Oh, yeah, it's questions time. Who would have guessed? <laughs> 
No fucking way, dude. Look, guessed. it's it's questions time, Grayson. Yeah, look. like you gotta look. it literally says it right here. Yeah, it literally says it. It's crazy. <laughs> it's insane how that works, huh? The world works in mysterious content. ways. There, Luke. It really does. And <laughs> speaking of mysterious, uh, Nathan, I don't know if I could even try uh, on this. Uh, this. Dang it! Is it another one? Yeah. Oh, I'm looking it up. I don't care. I want the answer. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know what this language is. So I typed it in, but now it's giving me just search results in this language. <laughs> That's not helping. Uh Oh, yeah. What is that? It's Thai. Okay. That was my, that was my thought. I thought it was going to be Thai. Because of like the swirls on the letters. So yeah, that makes sense. Oh, also last week's was Greek. Didn't didn't get that one right. I thought it was Southeast Asian, which this one is uh Southeast Asian. So uh yeah. all right. Well let's get into the questions. Uh who is your favorite player in the Premier League? I'm actually I'm gonna I'm gonna make this one who's your favorite Premier League or player in the Premier League that's not on your favorite team? Yeah, that's a good one. Um uh, who do I like seeing play well? Do you have an answer? I've got a couple of guys that I just kind of like root for. Um, yeah. So I think it's pretty well known. I root for Phil Foden. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I like watching him play well. Um, Bukayo Saka. I, I kind of just like this young generation for England right now. Um, I've been... Okay been pretty like uh, I kind of like as I kind of got back into soccer is when like a lot of these young guys kind of came up so like Declan Rice, Bukayo Saka, you know Phil Foden's kind of still coming up but um yeah they kind of that yeah that that new age English uh team I've become big fans of in the prem. Yeah, I'll throw out some names. Uh Kobe Mainu, I'm rooting for him yeah. big time. I, I like the the commitment from United, you know, in playing him. Um I'm gonna have to go over to Tottenham. I do like James Madison a lot. Yeah, he's fun he to is watch. Very fun to watch. Um always been a Christian Erickson guy. Um, and I know I'm just bouncing between two teams here. Uh and Willian. Definitely Willian. For right. sure. Um Oh, this one's fun. What is your dream car? I'm interested to hear this. Um, does it? So it's not realistic. It's just a dream. No, car? no, we're saying dream cars. Dude, give me a Murcielago gold wrapped with black rims. <laughs> that was always what I've always. What I gotta, I'm, I gotta pull up a picture of this. <laughs> so wait, hold on. You said. Please say this one more time. A Lamborghini Murcielago gold wrapped black rims. That's so trashy. <laughs> Bro, that was like my GTA car. Basically. <laughs> yeah, that it looks like a GTA car. Um uh, there's a Mercedes. Do you know the Mercedes SUV that I'm talking about? When I say that it's like a rounded SUV, it's not boxy. It's not a G wagon, but it's like a very rounded mom car look SUV. It's yeah, Mercedes. I know what you're talking about. I don't know what it's called. Like a, oh, I'm trying to think. 
I don't know what it is called, but I know what you're talking about. I've always sure. liked those. Always liked those. Yeah. So I've, um, for some reason, and I've never owned a truck. I've been partial to, to trucks. Um, I would love nothing more than a F-250 lift kit. Um, I'd love it for to be King Ranch Edition, but I also like... <laughs> I know, I know, it's lame as fuck. <laughs> but, I, so that was like, for like a few years, like in high school, I really wanted a truck. Now, um, if I were to get a truck, first of all, not going forward, I've switched over to Chevy um, oh. when it comes to trucks. Debatable. And I like the Chevy Silverado Custom. Um, just like pretty basic, but like you can customize a few things. Um, but I wouldn't change much. Um, I just kind of like the look of them. Uh, but if I'm going for just like something outrageous, um, I don't, I've never really been that interested in cars. Like, um, me neither, honestly. Like, I, I guess like a, I, I, I definitely want a big car. I'm not like a, a sports car kind of guy. I'm a, I'm a big guy. I don't fit in a small car. Um, so I think I'd go for like, uh, like a G wagon. G wagon would be yeah. sick. Um, yeah, I, I like that, but I can't believe you called me trashy when you went a lifted King ranch. Look, that was, that what was a while fuck? ago. That was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say if I could give a practical one, because you gave a couple of practical yeah. ones, I would just want a new Tacoma. I drive a Tacoma now. I yeah. love the newer Tacoma. Yeah, they do look good. Love them. Yeah. Yeah. Also, what are those like little ass cars they drive in Asia? Because those things are fucking sick. Those Hondas. Like a, a smart. No, nah, dude, like those car, little right? trucks. <laughs> uh, you want a tuk tuk? I uh, pretty much. Hold on. Okay, so there is hey, one. There is point. one that's this brand called Key. It's like K E I. Um. It costs like five thousand dollars. <laughs> They're just what? like these these little white trucks, and they look so funny. Oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Those I didn't know the are awesome. for them though. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next thing. What sport do you wish you played growing up? Okay. Well, oh, if if I'm looking at this perspective of every single person I've ever met, it's football. Um, but I so wish I was good at basketball, man. Same. Same. Oh, dude, being good at basketball is like so difficult. Because yeah, if if you're not good you, at basketball, there's no way to look like you're good at basketball. It's very true. It's very Super hard to true. just pull off. Um, for for me, I would I would say basketball, and I'll throw in football there too, just to be basic. But um, for me, it was always about like. I, I, I'm a big crowd guy. I love stadium atmospheres from the yeah. crowd in professional sports. But at the high school level, you know, football games are way crazier than soccer games. Nobody was coming out to watch the Pickens County yeah. Dragons. Even when we were awesome, no one give a shit about us. But I love the idea of being super close in a gym with other basketball fans because, bro... Oh my god! Like the player interactions with fans all the time in high school, and yeah. I wish I got some. So I would say basketball. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think basketball. Yeah. Like basketball is the easiest one where like you could go somewhere and just play basketball with people. So it'd be cool to be good yeah. at. 
Yes. Like, I can't yeah. just, like, pull up to a baseball field and just play baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think I think basketball is the easy option. Um, yeah, but baseball, I would also play. I would say top yeah. three would go basketball. Baseball over football, just because I like baseball better. But then football, you know, third because of the atmosphere alone. Yeah. Uh, all right. What NFL player really surprised you this season? It can be bad or good. Um, uh, I mean, I, I feel like Austin Eckler could be an answer for both of us. Yeah, I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes uh, for being bad for his okay. standards. Yeah, that's that's good. That's a good one. Um, You know, one that really surprised me was Chase Young after he got traded. Mm. Was really not that great in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, what about a good one? Who who happily surprised you? I'm gonna say Raheem. Um, Mostert. I liked Raheem Moster. I would throw in Rasheed Rice. Yeah. Um. Was was very good, and I would also throw in. Um. Uh, oh my God! I just had his name, and I lost. It was another. I think it was another wide receiver. Sam Laporta was crazy. Yeah. No, was that weird. wasn't who I was thinking Puka. of. Pook up, oh, dude. Yeah, what a surprise from Pook. When we, dude, when we were talking about him, like early on, yeah. and I still didn't really know who he was. That was just so much fun. Oh yeah, Puka Nakua. He he is just awesome. <laughs> on yeah. and off the field, he's awesome. Oh, I remember who I was going to say, Jamison Williams. And, and oh yeah, he had flashes. That yeah, were he just did. Really incredible. He did. Uh, all right, next thing. This is an interesting question. How far do you think you can throw these objects? So I'll say an object, we'll say our answer, a lemon. How far do you think you throw? We're going to go by yards. Um, mm. So let's imagine we're on a football field. How far can you throw a lemon? We're counting where it hits, not where it rolls to. Well, see, a lemon is very – it's good to throw because it's, I mean, kind of like a baseball. Relatively dense, yeah. And, and it's dense. Um, I, I can get a lemon 40 yards. That's it? 40 yards? I dude, I I don't really have much of an arm on me. When when we were throwing out on the field in the summer and I was throwing a baseball, do you think I could get a lemon further than 40 yards? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. I think 40 45. Let's see. If it's going to go like a baseball. I know for a fact if I'm like really maxing out, I could throw a baseball 100 yards. But I'm going to say Really? Yeah. A football field. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like there was times where like we'd well, like at the end of practice or something like we'd have like a 300 foot fence or something in center field. Yeah. And just throw all the way. I don't know Damn. if I could still okay. do it. I, feel I wasn't like trying right. to undershoot you. No, no, no. That just seems super fun. I'm trying to remember if that's correct or not. It might have been shorter. I'm gonna I'm gonna say like seventy five. I've had some bad shoulder issues. So I'm gonna say seventy five on a lemon. Um how far do you think you throw a basketball? Basketballs are tough. Oh, I, yeah, I've always thought I have really small hands. So I have um, relatively large hands. Uh I did come to find out like the other day that um I can I can palm like one of those outdoor balls, like the Nike outdoor balls that have like a ton of grip on them. I could palm one of those yeah. full size. I can't even palm like a twenty eight and a half leather ball though. Oh wow. 
I I don't know what it is. Like I have a I have a big palm and small fingers, so it doesn't really help for like trying to grab things. Well, how how long how far is uh half court to to the goal? That's a great question. In basketball, I can't remember yards. how long it is. I used to know how long it is. Basketball is court is. Uh, so from halfway, it's forty-five point nine three feet. I've always thought that was weird that it's ninety-one point eight six feet across. How dumb. Forty-five point nine three. That's fifteen yards. Yeah, it's roughly fifteen yards. I know for a fact I can throw it more than fifteen yards. Yeah, I would. Well, shit. If that's fifteen, then I I would say maybe I can get a basketball twenty-eight. Yeah, and and I'm just gonna assume like we have no wind, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're thrown in a vacuum. With Earth's gravity, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll say. I think I could, I think I could throw a basketball all the way across the court. I'm gonna say thirty yards. They're kind of they're surprisingly heavy. Yes, so yeah. it, it would be difficult. I might be way yeah. overselling this. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, yeah, this is this is tough <laughs> to think about. I don't know. Okay, and the next thing is oh a slice God. of bread. Okay, so what? big thing here. The best way to throw a slice of bread would either A, like a like a Frisbee, or yeah. could I smash it up into a ball and throw it? What if you grabbed a corner and... I think it would rip. Maybe. Um... 11 yards. I'm saying, like... Is it, is it going to catch? See, the thing is, is if light. you if you throw it like a Frisbee, and I, I could be totally wrong, if you throw it like a Frisbee, it's going to immediately fall off to the right. Yeah, it's not going to stay flat. Or to the left. Way too overstable. Piece of bread, too overstable. Yeah. If you play disc golf, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I... Oh, man, it's tough. Okay, I I was literally on a football field a couple days ago, and I still can't gauge how far 10 yards is. <laughs> I'm going to give myself like 13 yards. I just don't know. I don't know if I would have the right attack. <laughs> I think I'd just yeah. do it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, the last one is a small child. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to you. <laughs> I don't want to know why? or nor think about how far I can throw a small child. If it's my kid, okay. Here, let's change off, it. One hundred and five yards. How far can you throw a baby doll? Hmm. I would give myself thirty-five. It would be hard to grip Jesus. it. It's far, dude. Because you got to think about the fact that most baby dolls are hollow. Yeah. And they typically have like they have a hollow head, hollow arms, hollow legs, and they have that like like beanbag body for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how well that would fly. I'm gonna That's I'm gonna say like I'm 20, 20. Yeah, yards, maybe thirty five is way too much. 
But then again, like if I think if there's too much air you know, resistance. It's yeah, not it's not aerodynamic yeah. like everything else. If we're not throwing flat footed and I could get like a maybe like a forward kind of like spin motion and hold it by like the ankle. Yeah. I think I could you could probably sling a baby. Maybe, ball. but then that that's all up to release point as well. Yeah, because you could. That's a big deal. You could throw it behind you. Yeah, that's true. Okay, um, well, let, I'll, I'll lower myself. I'll take twenty five. Okay, twenty five. Let's, let's move on to the next question. Uh, what game did you watch on TV and wish you were sitting in the stands for? Can it be a game that I've really only seen highlights of? Like I never like. Could it be an old game? Is what I'm trying to sure. say. Sure. Two thousand eight AFC Championship game: Steelers Ravens. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah um, by far. I would take that game over any Super Bowl yeah, that they've ever I'm, been to. I'm going to take uh, game, uh, what was it, game, game six. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, game six of the 2021 World Series. Easily. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I have no other option. In, other than 2013... Um or twenty thirteen fourteen uh BCS national championship game, Florida State versus Auburn. Are you you know, obviously twenty twenty one, game six, you're in Houston, right? If you were there, are you talking shit? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> For sure. Nice. For sure. Um, all right. Uh anything else for the people? No, that was a that was just a fun episode. Yeah, that was a good time. That good. was definitely a good time. Yeah. You know what would make it have or make I I can't speak. You know what would make me happy? You know what would make us have a good time is if you What's liked that, and subscribed and commented on YouTube and turned on post notifications as well. And then if you're on the podcast platform, what you should do is you should rate five stars and follow the podcast so you see every single time that podcast goes up. And then just to further Make me happy and make Luke happy and make everybody happy. You're going to follow all of our social media accounts. They're all in the link tree. You can find that everywhere, or you can just search them. They're all right here, right below us. And you can join the second and short subreddit, 2ND, 8ND, short, to submit your questions by around 4 p.m. on Thursdays to get featured on Questions Time. Luke, I know I already asked you, but anything for the people. No, I have not thought of anything in this. Fair enough. Time. I, no, I, I just want to give you your platform to speak. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. All That's right. Fine. Well, then we will see you guys next week. Enjoy this weekend. Enjoy the beginning of spring training. Peace. Peace.